listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. We are in week number four of a series called TikTok Taught Me. Now, it's been a fun little series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I hope you haven't spent too much time on TikTok. Um, I also encourage you to jump on the YouVersion app and click the little hamburger thing down there, the little menu bar, click events, and then follow Freedom Church there. You can get all the notes from today. It's going to be important for you to go back and check out these notes. Um, and so today we're going to talk about uh, something that is hard for people sometimes. We're going to talk about generosity. Amen? So let's start off this message today with a TikTok video. Cuando vale? Un dólar. Un dólar. Es un dólar. Sí, es un dólar. Señor de los cocos. Sí. Yo no tengo. Yo no tengo donde vivir. Pero lo sentimos bien. Porque tenemos una felicidad. Let's go get the coconut, man. Como estas? Good, good. Guys, we're with the coconut man, and he has no idea the surprise he's gonna get right now. Cierra los ojos. Okay. No, 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 Y el corazón de usted que me ha hecho esto. Yo les agradezco bastante. ¿Y te vas a mi cuarto? Está bien, está bien. Raise your hand if you're crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. Why does this impact us so much? 
A lot of stuff like this hit us so hard. I've seen this video a hundred times and I cry every single time I see it. You see the joy in his heart of somebody just being willing to go outside of themselves and help another human being. You know, it, it feels good. And there's something about kindness and generosity that moves us. It gets us out of our shell and makes us willing to do something for someone else that we wouldn't normally do. Now, I read this this week, that an act of kindness is showing that you care for the person in front of you. It doesn't matter if you don't know the person, but generosity taps into that part of you that cares for the person and acts kindly towards him or her. Now, you might say that this is just the humanity in us. A lot of times you'll hear that in the secular world, that kindness is just you being a human. And that could be it. But I believe there is a deeper, more spiritual connection to generosity and kindness than just a sense of humanity. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We have something that's built into us that makes us want to be generous. We like it, okay? But here's what happens is the world that we live in creates this thing in us where we try to be selfish. We try to hoard things. We try to keep things to ourselves. It it can flush out in a variety of ways. It can flush out in you not being willing to give or you not being willing to serve or to spend time or to go above and beyond your own self. It could be a lot of these types of things. It could be in a situation where you get frustrated at something like maybe somebody in the church gets frustrated and upset about something and they decide they're going to leave over it. And rather than looking out for the interests of other people, rather than obeying Matthew 18 and coming and getting the problem solved, which, by the way, that's a whole other conversation, like go to the person and say you have a problem. But what they do is they try to, to, to bring other people into the mix, into their own selfishness. They're not being humble. They're not being compassionate. They're not being loving and tenderhearted. They're being selfish. And when people are selfish, what you get is generosity smothered. But you were created to be generous. There's something built inside of you that makes you want generosity. And I realize that Paul is doing some wishful thinking here and expecting that we're all going to agree on everything. Come on. That's going to be a very difficult thing to agree on everything. You know, some of y'all like mocha. Some of y'all like caramel. It's okay. It's not going to get us out of heaven. Everybody calm down, right? But what Paul is asking us to do is that we wholeheartedly think about each other and love one another and be compassionate towards one another and tenderhearted towards one another, realizing that what's the action that's happening to you right now might not be their real true thoughts about you. They just might be reacting to something that's hurting them. So rather than you lashing back out to get even with them, you are compassionate and tenderhearted and you try to solve the problem rather than to create more problem. You see, that is generosity as well. We know this. That, that the true nature of God and what he's created us to be is a generous person. A, a, not a greedy, self-centered person, but a humble, generous person. That's what God's called us to be. We know this because we have a natural bent towards kindness and generosity and a natural bent towards hating greed and selfishness. Now, if you want proof of that, it's very, very simple. Let's say you're at a baseball game. 
Okay, Houston beating the brakes off of Texas, right? Come on, somebody. Y'all are at the baseball game, and Altuve hits a foul ball, and it comes over, and a little kid is about to get the ball, and right before he does, an adult comes and just steps in and grabs the ball and goes back and robs a little kid. Now, some of y'all are like, throw him over. You know, like y'all would be done with that dude. You naturally hate selfishness and greed. But let's say the adult catches the ball and looks at the little kid with the Altuve jersey on and says, here, buddy. Oh, we love that, don't we? We have a natural bent towards loving generosity and a natural bent towards hating selfishness and greed. So why is generosity so hard on people's lives then? If, if we really do have those natural bents, why is it so difficult? Well, let's watch this TikTok video. We're wired for generosity, but we're educated for greed. And so we're wired that way. We know within our hearts that we'd rather help someone. I mean, the science shows it today too. People who help other people are happier. This isn't just a old tale or fable or idea. Right. And so if we can extend ourselves even a tiny bit, uh, it can have a huge impact. It's such the truth. It's so true. Even you parents know at Christmas time, whenever your kids open up that present that they've been wanting for months and asking you for months, their faces light up. That's so much better than you getting a present yourself. Like, honestly, parents, we don't really get a lot of presents these days because you know what? If you want a DeWalt Sander, you just go get a DeWalt Sander. You don't wait six months for Santa Claus to bring it to you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, since you're Santa Claus. So, shh, don't tell them about but you love seeing your kids love. This is one of the reasons why, instead of getting your kids three presents like Jesus got, y'all get them 1,500 presents. Okay? I would invite you this year, maybe try three presents. I know some of the kids are not going to like that in here, but try just getting three presents. All right? And, 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 and let those things, let their faces light up and get the joy out of that. We, we love that. Don't look now, but that's more hardwiring in your nature from your Creator. The fact that you love seeing your kids light up. Why? It's because, as Acts 20, 35 tells us, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't know this yet, you are never going to get more satisfaction in your life than when you are giving, not when you're receiving. Listen, thank yous are awesome, but your welcomes are incredible. It's amazing when you can give. It's amazing to be a guy like Murph and be able to go to El Salvador and help change their entire family. Legacy level changes, eternity level changes. What I find amazing is that while Murph went down there and spent his time and effort and money and all that kind of stuff, people who donated to his TikTok account, they went and spent that money. What's amazing is that it wasn't just the coconut man Lorenzo that was getting the blessing. It was changing Murph. Do you see the quote? It said, he even challenged me in some areas where I doubted. Praise the Lord. So why do we hesitate then to be generous? Let's run through a couple of things that might keep us from being generous. Number one is trust issues. Many people have trust issues concerning generosity. While there is more to generosity than just money, there's time, talents, there's effort, etc. Most people connect generosity to finances. So when I say be generous, most of you automatically think, oh, he wants me to give money. Okay, but there's more to it than that. Think about the people that did donate to this guy, Murph, on his TikTok. Okay, they see this life, his man's life changed forever, but they had to trust Murph to do the right thing. I'm willing to bet that the people that donated in order to see the coconut man get what he got probably didn't donate after the first video. 
it was probably two, three, four months of watching and seeing that when Murph got the money, Murph did what he said he was going to do. And trust was built up. But most people don't give until they feel an adequate level of trust that they won't be taken advantage of. Okay, I get that. And I agree. We need to vet people. We need to vet organizations. We don't need to blindly give to things. But this is what makes giving to people that are like homeless on the streets difficult. It's very difficult, isn't it? Am I the only one that wonders if I give this guy $20, if he's going to buy food or if he's going to buy beer and cigarettes? You know what I'm saying? So the other week, um, a man stopped by the church and he popped his head in the door. He says, hey, hey, can, can, you, some, can somebody give me some laundry detergent? I'm like, okay, well, let's go to the family dollar. We'll get some laundry detergent. So we're going to the laundry detergent. And he says, hey, uh, you think maybe I can get some um, bleach too? And I'm like, yeah, we get some bleach. And so we're walking around. He's like, hey, can, can I get some, um, some rubbing alcohol like to clean? I got a cut. And I just want to clean myself. I'm like, sure, let's do that. And he says, do you think maybe we get some Tylenol? Now, look, if he said Sudafed, I'd have like, what you trying to make over here, dog? Like, I don't know, I don't know how you make meth, but I'm, I'm not even going to give you the ingredients. You know what I mean? Uh, but but I, I was looking. He's, he started to grab the Tylenol, like the name brand. I'm like, look, bro, I don't even take name brand. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me the Equate version. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me that. That kind that they made somewhere, I don't know where it's made, but it's got a little bit of medicine. Like, so we got him some medicine, and then we get up to the counter, and he says, hey, you think I'll get some of the Marlboro Reds right there? And I shouldn't have said it like this, y'all. I feel bad about saying it like this, but I looked at him, and I said, I'm not going to feed your addiction. And I should have been kinder, okay? I was being generous with this stuff, but I should have been kinder in the way I said that. Um, but this is what I'm talking about. In the trust issue stuff, I instantly began to doubt if I'd have just given him 20 bucks to go get laundry detergent, he'd have walked away with some cigarettes. Okay, that's what would have happened most likely. Causes us to trust. What happens though is people take that and they apply it to church as well. They assume that all pastors just want their money. I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that I want your money, keep your money. Keep it. I don't want you to give because we need to pay the light bill. God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. The reason I want you to give is because I know what happens when you're in financial covenant with God. And I'm willing to tell you about John 3.16. You've got to let me tell you about Malachi 3.10. You've got to let me do both. I want you a well-rounded Christian. Not a Christian that's good on one spot, but, but terrible on another spot. I, they, people assume that all pastors are thieves. Look, y'all, some of them are. I'm going to be real with you. Some of them are. But listen to me. Y'all pay y'all taxes every year. And them jokers. Okay, I'm going to move on. I ain't trying to get canceled. Look, I hope you don't think that I just want your money. But I'm also fully aware that you may not have figured out exactly what you think about me just yet. And I get that. I get it. I really do. You know, I've gone to church my whole life. I've given my whole life. I always, I always haven't been a good tither, but I've given my whole life. But since 2012, my wife and I have been tithing and we've been giving faithfully. I've given offerings over and above my tithe. I've even seen money mismanagement in the context of church. I've seen money given and then not handled appropriately or spent frivolously. So naturally, I allowed my trust issue to dry up my generosity Stall my obedience to what the Bible teaches about tithing and stop giving altogether. No. 
That's not what happened at all. I still gave. Why? Here's why. Because I was not willing to allow my obedience and generosity to be ruined because someone else wasn't being obedient. Okay? God's never going to ask you to give an account of somebody else's sin, but he's definitely going to ask you about yours. And so if you, if you know God's told you to do something, like tithing, you know he's told you to tithe, and you're not doing it because you don't trust somebody, then it's not going to be something that, that, then that situation there, if you don't trust the pastor, then it means you're not going to have to answer to God for what I do, or how this church spends that money, or how our pastors or elders or board of directors makes decisions. You won't have to answer for you. At the end of the day, it isn't about trusting the pastor or the church or organization. It's about trusting God. Look, if God tells me to be generous and I don't do it because of trust issues, it stops being a trust issue about that person. Now it's a matter of me trusting God. It's a matter of obedience. Now, since I mentioned tithing, let me take a moment and explain this concept. So bear with me just for a moment. Y'all are willing to listen to everything else I say up here. Give me a few minutes to to explain this, okay? Malachi chapter 3. This is titled, A Call to Repentance, starting in verse uh, number 6. Let's start in actually verse number 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, some translations say offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring your full tithe into the storehouse, some versions say the temple, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, there are a couple of words to note here. Look at the word tithe. Some people say, well, how in the Bible don't never say that a tithe is 10%. Wrong. The actual word tithe literally means a tenth. Ma'aser in Hebrew is what it is. Literally means one-tenth. It's the same word used in Genesis chapter 14 when Abraham met with Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which if you do some digging into the king of Salem, they didn't know from whence he came or where he went. He had no beginning. He had no end. Sound like Jesus. And if Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then he's not only the prince of peace, but now he's the king of peace. He's king of Salem. He's Melchizedek. Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek and called him Lord. A tenth. What about storehouse? This is God's house. Some translations say the temple. Some pastors say tithe where you're fed. Okay? I'm just going to tell you this. The way I look at it, the way I tithe, is where I am a member, where I go to church, that's who's getting the tithe. And you know something else? I don't designate the tithe. I can designate the contribution or the offering, but the tithe is not to be designated because it's his anyway. Okay, so I realize that you may feel feel led to pay for the person's food behind you in the drive through line. That's an offering. You can't call it your tithe. I'm just what the Bible teaches. Okay, we have a discussion about this if we need to. So look at contributions as this is listed with tithes. There are clearly there's a clear difference between tithes and contributions. It's separate. So what's the difference? The tithe is what God requires for you to be in financial covenant with him. The contribution is upon his leading. So, 
why should you tithe? Well, number one, God commands it. That should be the end of the story. But because we're who we are and we're like, why? Let's talk about some more things besides just God commands it. Uh, Number two, we have a biblical precedent for it. Okay. Uh, number three, we have a reciprocation from God for it. Now, listen, there's a note here. This is not a reward. Okay. You don't tithe and like, well, God, uh, <laughs> come on. Like, what you doing, bro? Like, I gave you my tenth. Uh, no. So if you're, transaction, if you're transactional in your mindset, then this is for you. It's a financial agreement with God. You, if you don't uphold your end of the bargain, the Bible says you're cursed. Y'all thinking y'all can go further with 100% than you can with 90. You're going with cursed money. Okay, it's the truth. I don't know why tires last longer when you tithe. I don't know why the pantry never ends when you tithe. I don't know why. The math don't add up. But... But here's what you get when you uphold your end of the bargain. He upholds his end of the bargain. Well, what's his end of the bargain? It says in the word right here, Malachi 3, open windows of heaven. Anybody want some of that? What about uncontainable blessing? What about your needs being met? Now, hold on. Not your wants, but your needs are met. What about the devourer rebuked? What about the fact that your fruits and your soils are blessed? What about the fact that even though you ain't in season, your vine is still bearing fruit? What about the fact that nations will bless you? What about this? You're a delight. Here's another reason why you should tithe. It's because it kills the poverty mentality in you. Poverty mentality is a huge issue in Liberty County. I'm not going to spend any time today talking about it because in November we're doing a series called The Four Giants of Liberty County. And I'm going to tell you, we're not just going to talk about the four giants, poverty mentality being one of them. We are going to pull them down in the name of Jesus. Another reason, it changes lives. It'll change your life by tithing. Before 2012, I was a tipper. It's good to, well, God, if I got it. Well, let me see what I got in my pocket, Jesus. I used to hear pastors say, if you don't got money, pull a button off your shirt. It used to drive me nuts. Pull a button off your shirt and put it in the offering. Why? So now I got no money and a rent shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm supposed to be encouraged. I'm just taking clothes off my back. You know what I mean? It's, that's, that's just ridiculous. But I was a tipper, okay? I, I would give when I felt like I had it. Now, when I got to New Covenant and I started working there in 2012, I was required to tithe. It was a part of my job duties, okay? So um, I needed that, though, because I needed to see the benefit of what happens when you tithe. So we were tithing, we were in covenant with God, and we weren't always happy about it, but we were faithful to it, okay? But within a year, we were miraculously able to buy our first home. It would have never happened. It would have never happened had had we not been doing what we were doing by tithing. I mean, I I wish I had time to just tell you how that even all worked out. But it was like God's hand was all over it. He he not only provided the finances, but he he made a way when there was no way. That's what happens when you tithe. And so I could finally see God's hand moving in our lives financially. And it was amazing how I'd submitted so much of my life to him. Okay, when I was 19, I was going to college to be a child psychologist, and that's when I heard the Lord call me to ministry. And, and I stopped 
uh, I finished my first semester there, and I went to a Bible college after that, and I devoted my whole life to ministry, but I ain't giving my wallet. I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep this part. I'm going to need to control the wallet. I gave you everything else. It's like, it's like I reverse tithe. I gave God 90% of me, but I kept 10% of me, which was in my wallet. But when I got in covenant with God, even in my finances, everything changed. You know, don't take my word for it. Let's watch a TikTok video. I'm Kevin Fleetwood. I do have a wife. Didn't figure y'all want her here, so. This is at men's group. She's Lisa. You got five kids. Probably. <laughs> but uh, we have five kids. Now, I was plant work for 25 years and raised a family that way. And now I just play with cows and do hay and things like that. But this is the fourth building campaign we've been through. And the first one, we didn't tithe at that time. And we had a guy come in and did a revival for the building campaign. And, and it was taught to us to tithe. And at that time, if we could have fit in another car note or anything, it wouldn't have happened. So there was no room in our money mathematically for us to start tithing. And we did. And we just started tithing because that's what we felt God wanted us to do. So we started and for some reason God's math different than our math because it worked out. Our pantry's never been empty. And, and we're to the point now that we're able to bless more people and do more things, and we continue to tithe. And I don't know what else to say. It's God's money, you know. And He's just let us bar for a little while. So that's how we look at it and uh, feel that it's just something, it's nothing we were trying to brag on. It's nothing I want to say. And talk about, but it has blessed us to see truly what God has done in our lives and blessed us in different ways. And I'm not going to say every ten dollars we got, we saw a hundred. We we didn't look at it that way. We just faithfully gave, and for some reason it worked out. And like I say, we couldn't budget it in another car note. That's about what our tithe amount was at the time. So. We believe in this church, and there's something to this church. I know God's here, and uh, but this church is special. For some reason, it, it has growth that churches in Liberty hadn't. And part of it is I think they don't care where you've been. They care where you're going, you know. So I think that draws a lot of people in. You know? So I just wanted to share that with y'all and not brag about anything. There's nothing special about us, but uh, God has blessed our lives just being faithful in tithing. Good work. Thank you. Amen. Here's my point is don't let trust issues stop the benefits of being in covenant with God flowing into your life. Look, we're not a prosperity gospel church. We don't believe that you give a hundred, you get a thousand. We don't believe that. The Bible does not teach that. And anybody that tells you that, they're just trying to get a hundred out of you. Okay? 
That is not what the Bible teaches. Because we believe that while you might give in money, you might reap in your sons and daughters coming home. Or if you give in time, you might get a check in the mail. Like God's math doesn't work like our math does. And God is more than happy to take your corn seed and bring apples out of it if that's what you need in that season of your life. And God will give you what he needs to give you when you're in financial covenant with him, when you're in covenant with God. We do believe, however, that God's hand moves mightily in your life when you're in covenant with him. So you trust him for everything else. Trust him with your wallet too. There's one more thing to note about Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. That's what the verse says. It's the only time in the entire Bible where God tells you it's okay to test him. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to give God nine weeks. Tithe. Tithe 10% of your income. And then prayerfully and responsibly spend the other 90%. Listen, tithing doesn't work if you give God 10% and you go to the boat with the other 90. All right, don't work like that, okay? You have to be responsible. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you in how you spend the other 90. Why is this so important? It's one reason. Because the 10% ain't his, 100% his. It's all his. It all belongs to him. Test God for nine weeks and watch what he does in your life. We're talking about reasons we're not generous. The second one is we don't have it. I don't have it. Again, don't make the mistake that money is the only way we can be generous. We all have exactly the same amount of time every single day. Now, you might live longer than me. I might live longer than you. But we all have the same amount of time every single day. And we all have gifts, talents, and abilities we can use to be generous. So sometimes we complain that we don't have the money. But we allow that poverty mentality to attach to our time. Well, I don't have time for it. Or attach to our abilities. Well, I just, I just can't do that. Or even attach to our understanding where it's like somebody might ask you to do something like, I don't even know how to do that. Well, they destroy, however, our opportunity to be generous when we act like this. If we're not careful, a lack of generosity in our lives can make us bitter. We'll look around and see what everybody else has and we wonder why we don't have it. Well, how, come they, how come they seem like they're so in love with Jesus? Have you been willing to do the prayer time they're doing or the Bible study they've been through? Or do you want to walk through the hell that they had to walk through to get to the relationship with God that they have right now? I mean, so we've got to be careful that we're not coveting. Maybe you see somebody that is just blowing it up financially. They're just living. They're successful. They're being generous. They're, they're giving. They're moving the kingdom with finances. But are you willing to do what they did in order to get to that spot by being in covenant with God. We've got to be careful we're not coveting. We can see what others are doing, and rather than spurring us to good works, it spurs us to judgment and hostility to generosity. Now, there's this phrase in Christianity, maybe you've heard it before, it's that giving is the verb of the Bible. Giving is the verb of the Bible. In so many places, we see giving as the thing that changes everything. I mean, think about the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, it wasn't the other two who were unwilling to give time, talents, and efforts, uh, money, uh, but it was the Samaritan who was willing not to just stop and help, but to put him on his own side or give him what he had and then to finance his recovery. Okay, that's what the good Samaritan did. But there's another place that's really popular about God giving. How about this one? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Imagine with me a world. Where rather than God giving us his best. He simply said, oh, sorry, I don't have it. 
God is not asking you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. I don't know if you know this, but God gave a tithe too. Did y'all know that? God gave a tithe. And Robert Morris at Gateway Church has a wonderful teaching about this. Um, And I'm going to read you this section from The Blessed Life, but then we're going to watch a video from Pastor Robert. Here's what it says. According to Old Testament law in Exodus 13, 2, the firstborn had to be either sacrificed or redeemed because it belonged to God. There was no third option. Every time one of your livestock animals delivered its firstborn, you had to sacrifice it, or if it was designated unclean, you had to redeem it by sacrificing a clean, spotless lamb in its place. Simply put, The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed and the unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. John the Baptist meets Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River. John was baptizing one day and looked up to see Jesus walking toward him. At that point, John cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you see the symbolic parallel? Jesus Christ was God's firstborn son. Essentially, Jesus was God's tithe. We had Adam who was unclean. And we had Jesus, who became our lamb. Let's watch this video from Pastor Robert. Jesus is God's tithe. The reason is, you don't wait to see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first. God didn't wait to see if you would clean up and straighten up to give Jesus his son. God gave Jesus his son when we were mocking him and beating him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. And it also says that God gave Jesus in hope. That root word in the Greek is the same word, you ready for this, as faith. God gave Jesus in faith, in hope that we would believe that we'd receive him. He wasn't waiting. It's the same with the tithe. Have you ever thought about Jesus like that? These are reasons we aren't generous. The third one could be that we're just simply selfish. Now, I don't mean that in a mean or accusatory type of way, but when people don't have it, like I mentioned before, they can tighten up generosity to make sure that they're not needy. Now, caveat, no one is saying that giving your time, money, ability frivolously where you end up destitute is what we're after here. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we too often allow the fear of lack to stop generosity in our lives. Some people see lack as a legitimate reason to be selfish. Yet you'd be surprised that some of the most generous people in the world are the neediest. Let's see an example of that. Anybody help me out, please? How you doing, sir? Trying to make some money. What's your name, man? Michael. Michael, I'm Zach, man. Nice to meet you. I got till tomorrow, 12 o'clock, to pay my rent. How much is your rent? 195. I'm a quarter short for the bus. Can you I need it? Can I have a quarter, bro? Yeah, of course you can. That's all you need? Yeah, a quarter should be fine. You can get on the bus for free. But it's good to have it in case. Brother, I'm going to give this back to you. Nah, whatever you need it, we'll take it. The fact that you were going to help me, man, I got $500. If you ever wanted a reason to be rich, how about just so you can go around helping people, man? Like, we've been conditioned to believe that lack should stifle generosity. But in reality, lack should lead you to two questions. 
when you are in lack, two questions. Number one, am I experiencing lack because of my choices? That's not in covenant with God. That's bad financial decisions. That's spending too much money. Or number two, am I missing the chance to be generous because I'm afraid of lacking? Psalm 56, 3 and 4 says, When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Guys, this works with the boogeyman, and it works with generosity too. Those are a few reasons we're not generous, but what does God say about all this? So first in 1 Timothy, it says this, starting chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Got to be careful that we're not making a God out of our ability to, to, to make money or money itself, because guys, listen, that's not real life. God was generous with Jesus. And as a result, if you accept Jesus as Lord, you receive his life in exchange for your death. So God, who was rich in mercy, gave out of his abundance into your lack so that you would no longer be impoverished in your spirit, but rich in his spirit. We always focus on the grace and the mercy and the sacrifice but we don't often focus on his generosity. He basically gave millions to street wretches like you and me. That's what he did. I want to be generous like he's generous. Don't you want to be generous like he's generous? So how do we become generous? Let's spend the remaining time talking about that. Number one, realize that God is your source. God is your source. Now, I could reference James 1.17 here that talks about how every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow. I could talk about that one. But let me instead reference John 15.5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, why can't I do nothing without Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because I am not just a lost puppy saved by Jesus. I was a dead person, and now I'm alive because of Jesus. And in the same way that not just the 10% belongs to God, but the 100% belongs to God, all of me belongs to Him. You know why? Because when He found me, I was dead, and now I'm alive. I'm connected to Him. I'm connected to the vine. Everything that is in my life that's good and holy comes from the vine. Everything is. And so what do you mean I can't do anything without him? It's because I was nothing without him and I'll still be nothing without him. But as long as I've said yes to Jesus and I've received his life, that means that every breath I take is another opportunity to be generous because he was generous to me to give me life to begin with. So when God asks me to do something, how dare I say no? I'm breathing air with the life that he gave me. Everything I do. I should be striving to be just like him. And while I know God doesn't see it like this, I feel a duty. I, I, I can't repay what he's done for me. So at the very least, I should live my life in a way that honors his generosity. Why? It's because he's my source. There is no Jason without him. There is no generosity without him. Look, if I'm my source 
or if my job is my source or my title is my source, I'll always feel the fear of lack because all of those things can end like that. I was at a hospital last night where someone was taking their last breath and I was driving home thinking, what happens if I die today? Have I lived my life in such a way that honors his generosity towards me? I shouldn't be where I am. I shouldn't. There, there are plenty of things, if you look back in our genealogy, that should have thrown us off course and landed us in nothing but a horrible, worthless life. But God, who was generous, saved my family. So, like, I don't, I'm not saying you have to think like this, but how dare I be arrogant enough to do anything other than what he's told me to do based on what he's done for me? I just can't imagine that. It's like, let's say I gave Deborah a $20 bill. I said, Pastor Deborah, I want you to find somebody in the church and I want you to give them this $20 bill. How dare she get mad for having to give the, dollar, the $20 bill up? It wasn't hers to begin with. And here's what happens with us. When we allow generosity to stifle, we start being someone that hoards the blessing instead of being a conduit of blessing. God doesn't want you to hoard the blessing. He wants you to be a conduit of it. It's not yours to begin with. Your gifts, they came from Him. Your talents, they came from Him. You're so cute, that came from Him too. It all comes from Him. But wait a minute, I've worked down in that plant. I'm sweating on my brow, and that's my blood and sweat and tears. I made that money. I got you, fam. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Be very careful that you don't make what you can do your idol because God can take what you can do away in a moment. The snap of the finger. The second thing is realize that need presents opportunity. If God isn't your source, then generosity will always be a transaction, not an opportunity. You know, some people live life where need is so present that they cannot imagine not being needy. And then you have some people that live life where need is so foreign that they can't imagine why people are needy. But what if need was actually an opportunity? What if for a person with resources, it's an opportunity to make a difference? What if for a person without resources, it's an opportunity for you to make a change? What if you stop looking as need as a negative and start seeing it as an opportunity to do something incredible for the kingdom? I mean, my goodness, there are needs all over the place. You know, 99.9% .9 of the phone calls we get at our church are people asking for assistance. Dead serious. It's easy. It might even be 99.99%. You know what I'm saying? Like, we get maybe one phone call a month that's not need assistance based. In fact, I got one. It's the last one I can remember. It was the, the store manager at Walmart who was calling to ask for all of the pastors to come to their grand opening on November 3rd because he wants his staff to see that we are God-fearing people and we want pastors here to show that we want this store blessed. That was a great phone call. The other, others, oh, I need my light bill paid. So here's what we tell them. It's even in the message. If you call the church and go to voicemail, there's a message that says, if you're looking for assistance, please visit freedomdeal.com benevolence. Now, I thought maybe I need to do a different one because benevolence. Anyway, here's what it says on our website. 
we tell people, we tell people this. Our goal is not to simply provide money. We want to help you succeed. By providing money without any guidance in your situation, it has little to no chance of helping you get out of your situation. We don't want to provide the next fix. We want to help you discover the fix, the solution to your situation. Our restart program is a four-week training that helps you address the issues that got you into the situation you're in. And this program includes four weeks of meetings that help you evaluate your situation, address issues, and better your situation. Program requirements are as follows. You must attend church each Sunday at 11 a.m. during the program. You must have a weekly one-hour meeting with the pastor to discuss your situation and gain knowledge on how to change it. You must tie 10% of your income. The first step to financial freedom is not more money. It's correcting the management of the money that you've been doing. Biblically, we are required to tithe out of obedience to God. This is not a rule the church made up. It's biblical. If you want God's blessing on the 90%, you have to tithe the 10%. And lastly, you must be willing to receive instruction and correction in terms of your finances. In terms of your finances. If you'd like to apply for benevolence at Freedom Church, complete the form below. Guess how many have clicked it? Not a single person in nearly three years. Not a single one. The poverty mentality might be the strongest giant in Liberty County. It's a giant that says, I don't care about learning how to do this better. Let's keep them in a vicious cycle of constant need. Why? Because it's one less way they can feel like their father in heaven if I take generosity away from them. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. If this is true, if this verse is true, then could your current lack be because God is presenting you with an opportunity to learn how to change your situation and be generous? You think it's just because the haters are out there. It could be God is trying to give you an opportunity to break the power of poverty in your life and be generous. So that leads us to number three. We have to realize that giving is where contentment lives. I've heard that begging bread verse my whole life. Um, but what's amazing is we oftentimes will recite a verse that makes us feel good, but we will not recite the context because we ain't trying to worry about all that. You know what I'm saying? So let me give you all some context here. Let's read the verses around this verse uh, 25. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Amazing how that verse we like so much is in the context of generosity. Why are his children never begging for bread? It's because the father who ever lends generously has children that are blessed. Remember, it's more blessed to give than receive. And God wants you to move from surviving to significance, from lack to to generosity. Why? Because the more generous you are, the bigger blessing you can be. The more the kingdom moves. Don't you want to be a blessing? Don't you want to be generous? 
If so, we have to realize that life is not about what you get, it's what you give. Let's watch a TikTok video about that. I got an ear infection and the doctor prescribed something pretty hardcore. And I wound up having these really strange and vivid dreams. In one of them, I was in a Home Depot picking up some wall anchors to mount a shelf. And a woman I'd never met before walked right up to me. She was sort of a textbook soccer mom holding a paint swatch. And she called me by my name and she said, I only have 92 seconds to tell you this, so do not interrupt. Everything around you, all of this, me included, it's all a simulation. Every bit of your behavior from the time you were born to now and moving forward is being recorded to produce an index of your character. You are in a job interview for which you volunteered. The systems you're familiar with for choosing business and government leaders, yeah, those are gravely flawed. They led to repeated crimes and catastrophes, and if we had kept those systems, the next catastrophe our species would probably not survive. So this simulation was created to more accurately reveal an individual's character. The higher the score, the greater the responsibility earned. And by the way, the accumulation of vast wealth while others are suffering all around you, yeah, that does not produce a high score. Of course, for the simulation to work, you're not supposed to know any of this. The very core of integrity is doing the right thing when you think no one is watching. But I was contracted to break that rule so that you would know this secret moving ahead. Now, we have 21 seconds before your data goes live again. You can choose to keep this knowledge or wipe it clean. Your preference. And I said, you know what? Wipe it. And she looked slightly surprised and then nodded and an absent expression suddenly washed across her face like she'd walked into a room and forgotten why she was there. And then she glanced down at her paint swatch and looked back up at me and I woke up. Crazy dream. You know, in this series, I, I, I wrote this, the, these messages in the same way that I wrote papers back in college. Most of my fellow classmates, my fellow theologians, would find authors to say what they wanted to say and then write a paper based on that. I would always write my paper and then find people to buttress my argument. Or sometimes that tore down my argument. So on Monday... I was looking at TikTok. This was the first video that came up that, that morning when I opened TikTok. And it struck me. And the moment I finished the video, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And here's what he said. What if the reason life has been such a struggle was because you thought it was all about what you can get, not realizing that it's actually all about what you can give? As we've been taught so wrong that greed and selfishness is how you get ahead. Generosity is what changes things. Generosity gives you the opportunity to show the love of God in a way that most people are surprised at. That's why if you show up and you're generous to someone, they're willing to sit and listen to anything you have to say. That's why sometimes I'll crack a joke in a sermon 
It's because when I crack a joke and I see you laugh, it gives me some buy-in with you and you'll listen a little longer. Life is about generosity, not selfishness. And I'm convinced that a generous God who generously gave wants us to be generous children who generously give. At Freedom Church, we say generosity is our privilege. And on our website, we have written, the verb of the Bible is giving, and we are fully aware that God has generously provided everything we have. As a result, we see generosity not as an obligation or from a sense of guilt, but that we should cheerfully, consistently, and sacrificially give our time, talents, and treasure. Jesus gave, and when we give, we are imitating and exemplifying what it means to be generous as it's been modeled to us by Him. Generosity is a privilege. It's our privilege. There is something God has called you to that's greater than just surviving, church. More than just surviving. He wants you to use your talents, your gifts, your ability, your calling, and yes, even your finances to move the kingdom and make an eternal impact. So here's the big question today. This is what everything has been leading up to today. One question. Where do you need to exercise generosity in your life? Where is it? We're trying to close on a facility. Is that where God wants you to exercise generosity? Maybe you've been out of covenant with God financially and you know you need to get yourself back in line. Look, God is not the IRS. You don't have to pay back tithes. Now, I'm not going to stop you if you want to, praise Jesus. Y'all go ahead and do what you do. But, but, but God's not requiring you to pay back tithes. But if you want to be in financial covenant with Him, you've got to do the things that He tells you in order to be in financial covenant with Him. Maybe that's where you need to exercise your generosity. Maybe your generosity needs to grow in areas of serving and helping meet others' needs. Do you know at Freedom Church we have 24 different opportunities to serve? And did you know in the context of Liberty County alone, there are exponentially more than that? I'm sure Divine Integrity down the street would love some help. I'm sure the prison ministry would love some help. I'm sure Lenora Purvis would love some help. There's plenty of opportunities in Liberty County. Maybe you realize that you're enslaved by a poverty mindset that says you don't have it and you're never going to have it. It's time to break the power of that spirit in your life in the name of Jesus. Where do you need to exercise generosity in your life today? Let's take a moment and pray. Oh, Father, first we want to just say thank you. Thank you, God, that you are not a stingy, greedy God, but you are generous and you're a long-suffering God. God, you, you, you love to lavish us with, with mercy and grace and blessing. You lavish us with life when we deserved death. Only a generous God would do that. And so, God, we just stop for a moment in the midst of all of this and thank you that we serve a generous God and we love you. We thank you for it. Now, God, we as your children want to be like you in that we want to be generous. And God, there's so many reasons why we've not been generous. There's so many reasons why we've not been obedient. And whether they're good reasons or bad reasons or just excuses, we confess that we've not been obedient. We've not been as generous as you've wanted us to be. And so we're asking right now for help. God, we needed, we needed you to give us faith to believe in Jesus. We need you to give us courage to be generous and to, to obey and to believe, to know that when we do what you've asked us to do, God, that you'll show up and that you'll make the difference. God, I'm asking for those that have resources, that have time, ability, talents, 
God, that you would open doors for them to use those. God, I'm asking for people who feel like they don't have resources. And so that obviously is going to knock them out of generosity. God, for them to understand that generosity in terms of finances is just one part of the puzzle. But God, that you've called them to so much more than just financial generosity. God, we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be like the third man in the parable of the talents that just hoards and hides what you've freely given us. So help us recognize opportunities to be generous in our lives. I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.